it's not easy to come clean. It's not easy to be honest. But it's like, I just, I'm just, I just want to be honest. I want to be honest with myself. I want to be honest with all of you. And I want to feel lighter because it's like, if I'm, if I'm the same, if everybody knows things like, right, like people don't have to know every little thing about me, but so the reason why I've been wanting to do this is because it it feels like my energy could best be used somewhere else in terms of like the amount of energy that it takes up to hide something, to hide a part of yourself. Welcome home to the Lindsay Martin Ellis experience. This is your virtual sanctuary where we keep it light while going deep and ground spirituality into the reality of what it means to be human. We explore consciousness, evolution, alternative health, all things truth, taboo, and beyond. There are no boxes or rules here. Tune in each week where myself and raw and real guests will be sharing our lived experience through a multifaceted lens to support you no matter where you're at on your journey. This is a sacred space where spiritual principles and universal wisdom are accessible, simple, and digestible because all are welcome here. It is your birthright to remember the magic and miracle that you are. You ready to be inspired? Let's do this, love. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another week. I am feeling pretty raw and unfiltered today. I actually was resisting recording this episode, which means um, there's some medicine here for me. And I've been actually, I was feeling pretty good. It's kind of crazy. I've, I've been in North Carolina for like six weeks now, maybe a tad bit longer. Hasn't even been two months, but it, it feels like I've been here forever. And I'm also like, oh my gosh, I've only been here less than two months. I get to give myself grace just because there's been so many things that get to happen um, in order for me to keep moving forward. And oh my gosh, I wrote this quote down. I wish I had it in front of me. Oh my gosh. I'm like, do I want to go get up and get it? But I'm not going to. (laughs) So I haven't pulled, I have like Oracle deck cards that I haven't, you know, every once in a while I'll feel the impulse to to pull one and I have the Rumi, the Alana Fairchild Rumi deck and I pulled a card and the card was all about the harmony between surrendering and following your heart and knowing when to forge ahead. And I feel like that's where I'm at right now is how to be in this coalescence with the part of me that trusts and surrenders and knows that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and everything is unfolding in divine perfection. And then there's the part of me that's like, okay, I am in a temporary rental. I get to find my next landing place. (laughs) Um, And then of course, everything that comes along with birth, mothering, parenting, you know, it's like learning to stay in the step you're in, but also being prepared I'm learning a lot about postpartum and I'm actually feeling pretty passionate about like there's just something around where I I feel that the collective as a whole does not support mothers in general, especially in the postpartum phase and 
Um, it's just not, it does not set us up for success as women. And this is the most important role we have as a species, right? Like bringing, bringing new life onto this planet. And so it's been such a dance to trust in, okay, what do I innately get to honor within myself in terms of maternal wisdom versus where do, where is preparedness required? Um, it's been very interesting. It's, it's like, holy crap, this motherhood portal is really serving as a metaphor for life. But I've been feeling all the feels because I'm in this place of, I thought it would be a lot easier to call in my home to purchase. The market's been pretty wild here. As we know, the market in general is pretty wild. We've got a lot going on in the collective in, turn of, in terms of the market, in terms of um, inflation, in terms of interest rates, in terms of circulation of money. <laughs> Um, and there, yeah, there just hasn't been, it's been a bit challenging for us to call in our home here that we wanted to purchase. And so I'm, I'm starting to surrender into, okay, it might be a longer term rental that I get to have my baby in and have this first year of motherhood in and then potentially after I get to purchase my home. And so really in the, it's that same piece of like holding the vision for your life, holding the vision for your future self, and also honoring where you're at and, and, and letting go of attachment, right? So it's like, I can hold the vision of calling in this home that I get to purchase and it may not be what is required. It may be that I do need to rent for a year for whatever reason. Maybe my home, you know, that perfect home for our family isn't ready yet for us, right? Maybe that person hasn't put it on the market yet. Um, and so it's been a, a, along with pregnancy hormones and just like my nervous system in terms of regulating with the new geographic location that I'm in. <laughs> it's been quite the roller coaster. So over the last few weeks or the last few days, I've been in surrender mode. I've been crying. I've been trusting. I've been hopeful. I've been hopeless. I've been literally everywhere in between. And um, I'm just feeling a bit tender. And so I wanted to talk today. So one of the pieces that's been emerging is how important it is for me to be in truth and to be in the utmost integrity. And so I'm going to be sharing something with you all that I haven't really shared with a lot of people. And I wanted to kind of dive into today. Oh, I'm like, I don't even know what I want to call this episode. Um, Originally, I was thinking, you know, like pop culture beauty versus universal beauty, which I've touched on before in episodes, but what feels important in this moment is just truth in general. And so I wanted to share that I've made decisions in my younger years, especially if you identify as a woman, but I would imagine anyone has, I've made decisions based on what I'm, what 
other people, like, right? What we're modeled is beautiful, right? What we're modeled is normal, is accepted, is desirable. And so I was kind of making this list of like, okay, what are things that I've done? And I, I remember the first time I like begged my parents to shave my legs. And what's funny is Chad and I joke about this all the time with our future children. Um, we're like, our kids are going to be so hairy <laughs> because Chad and I have like, we have a lot of hair. We have really good hair. My hair is not thick, but I have a lot of it. And Chad has a lot of hair too. And my hair is blonde. Like, so on my arms and my legs, for example, my hair is blonde. And I remember that I remember the moment I got made fun of. I think I was in like, I think I was in fifth grade. I was in after school care and, and like a boy made fun of my leg hair that was glistening in the sun, my blonde leg hair. And I remember running home and like begging my parents to shave my legs I don't even remember if they let me or not. <laughs> I might have just done it on my own. And, you know, we have these moments where it's like, oh, this is not acceptable. This is not desirable. I get made fun of when I look like this. And I, the same goes for my strawberry blonde hair, right? So now I love my hair. I love that my hair is different. I would say, I, I don't even know if I would call it different, but I just love how my hair is not a standard hair color, right? And I love that. And, but when I was younger, I got made fun of. And so I begged my parent, I begged my mom to let me start dyeing my hair. And I did. And I started dyeing my hair pretty young. I don't remember, but I feel like it was pretty young. And then I started getting cystic acne. <laughs> I just remember I went through a phase where I had braces and like terrible acne. <laughs> Bless my heart. Those like growing pain years. But I started having cystic acne. And of course, many of you know my journey of, um, you know, the hormonal imbalance and just living out of alignment and how that started in my teens. And getting made fun of for that. And so bless my parents' heart for basically taking me anywhere and everywhere to try to like figure it out and get me all of the things and facials and medications and dermatologists and endocrinologists. And I mean, literally the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars my parents probably spent on me in my youth for my acne is out of this world. And of course, like nobody teaches us <laughs> Right. It's like, oh, try this medication and come back in two months. It's, that's literally what the dermatologist was like. All right. We're going to put you on this one. Come back in, in a few. Let me know how it goes. M meanwhile, like the what those antibiotics did to my gut health um, was absolutely insane. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of one of the things that I want to segue into is when we do these things, right, we don't like dyeing our hair. I mean, shaving our legs is pretty standard, but like um, when, right, when we go on medication, like when we go on birth control, that's a great example. I went on, same thing, right? So I went to my OBGYN. Oh, I have painful periods and cystic acne. All right, we're going to put you on birth control, right? right? Like no testing, no other questions, <laughs> no other options. We're going to put you on this medication. We're going to put you on this medication. And nobody talks about the side effects of all of 
these masks that society does, right? So it's like we live culturally in a world where where it's we're 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 in a we're in a world that like makes us sick essentially and then feeds us pills to make us better. <laughs> in my opinion, it's sick care, it's not healthcare, right? So it's like, okay, we're not gonna set you up for success in terms of how to honor your body, the typical rites of passage that happen as you go through these different stages of your adolescence, for example, how we're modeled, right? Like airbrushing and magazines and filters and right, all of the things that we see in terms of Hollywood and social media and all of that, you know, it's like Band-Aid fix, right? Band-Aid fix for everything. I remember, right, I was very fair when I was younger. So I was like the chick going to the tanning beds, getting spray tan, same thing. Like God knows what chemicals was going on there just to be tanner. <laughs> um I went through a phase with fake eyelashes. God, thank God I got out of that phase. Um, and I think I want to just say I really do. I love wearing makeup. I love getting dressed up from time to time overall and pretty simple, but I love getting my nails done. Like it feels so good to get a manicure and pedicure. There are certain things that I love doing that make me feel good that accentuate my inherent beauty. And I would say like, if any of those things work for you, it, then do it. But I can say for much of society, our reasoning behind wanting to do these things is usually coming from a place of lack and not coming from a place of wholeness and feeling like, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to be beautiful. This person is going to like me. I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to belong. And so I just like when I see on social media these young teens and women who are just doing all the things like getting the lip injections and getting the fake eyelashes and doing the spray tans and all of the things. Um, I just always wonder where is that coming from, you know? And I, I believe that Mother Nature makes no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. And so when I really started to like honor, okay, this is my complexion. Like this is my skin tone. This is my hair color. And I really started to do the deep inner work to heal and to love myself. Um, that radiance, right? It's like an, it's, it's a radiance from inside, that people feel. And um, it's the same with working out, right? Like I'm thinking of other things that weren't on my list. How I used to move my body was from this place of I need to look this certain way in order to be accepted, in order for people to think. I remember even thinking like, okay, if I don't take care of my body, people are going to think I'm lazy. People are going to think that I'm, um, yeah, like, that I'm lazy, that I don't take care of myself. So I have to keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this, right? So it's coming from like external validation. And so here's the thing that I haven't shared. So many people know this about me, but it's something that was, was so long ago that um, I just kind of stopped talking about it. <laughs> so it's like kind of 
lying by omission, I guess. Is that what you, is that the, is that how you say it? So I have breast implants and even saying it out loud, because I know so many of you listening (laughs) are people that know me now. And you're probably like, what? (laughs) Um, but it's something that like, same thing. Okay. So let me go back for a second. I was a late bloomer for one. I got my period. I mean, I got my period at, I think I was almost 16 years old, mind you, when I got my period, which is pretty late in the blooming department, at least compared to all of my friends. I I want to say I, I even lied about my period when I was younger. Like, I think I was telling people that I had already gotten it because all my friends did. And I was so embarrassed. I was definitely a late bloomer for obvious reasons. Like, right. I like puberty, you know, going, get, getting my period in high school. Like I was driving when I got my period. Um, and I want to say, I think it was the same for my mom and my sister, but, um, I had small boobs and I just remember when I went through puberty, my hips just started getting bigger and bigger, and bigger. And I just felt so dispro- disproportional, like everything that pop culture showed you and told you was like, oh, it needs to, everything needs to be balanced. And I remember that was another reason why I was working out like a mad woman, because it was really hard for me to fit into clothing. It was hard for me to buy jeans. Um, I was, I had like the tiniest waist and upper body. And then like my hips just were ginormous and I still have pretty big hips, which now I'm like, fuck yes, because it's only going to support me in having like the ecstatic birth that I know that I'm desiring. Um, but I remember like getting made fun of and I remember feeling really self-conscious about my boobs. And I remember same thing going and telling my parents like in my early 20s that I wanted to do this and they supported me. And I guess it was enough of a, um, it was enough, I'm like getting emotional. Like, I guess it was enough where they felt like, holy shit, this is a big deal. Like, right. Cause I feel like as a parent, now that I'm pregnant, all you want to do is protect your children. Whew. I'm getting emotional. <clears throat> Wasn't prepared for that. Right. So it's like, I have this maternal instinct in me right now. That's like, okay. I now know what it's like for my parents. Like when, when I came home crying, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this kid was mean to me. And like, what, what do they want to do? They want to fix it. And, um, and so they did, they helped me make that happen. And luckily I went to like one of the most amazing doctors in South beach. And it was very important for me, for them to look natural and feel natural to the point where like boyfriends didn't even know Chad didn't even know. (laughs) So I actually, (laughs) now I'm crying on my podcast. I think this is the first time I've ever cried on my podcast, but you know, whatever, this is all about truth this week. So to the point where like my, so people just didn't ask and I just stopped like, so then I, so, okay. So let me back up a minute. So I was like, oh, happy when I was younger. I was like, oh, I'm all proportional again. Everything's great. And again, like the people in my life obviously knew at the time and I was in college. And so I don't know, my friend, my, like my family knew my friends from high school, my friends in college. And that was, I mean, 15 plus years ago, I guess. And so Then, of course, I go on this like holistic healing journey, (laughs) like everything is about me honoring myself, loving myself, um, like getting rid of anything that 
isn't in my highest integrity and I've got like, you know, fake boobs. <laughs> I've got saline implants. And um, I remember always just telling myself like, okay, when I am finished having children, like I'll remove them. And, um, but it was, it was just something that I never talked about. And, um, like I said, they look and feel natural. No, it's just nobody asked, nobody questioned. And I just was like, okay, well, I'm not lying. I'm just, you know, not screaming it from the rooftops. And it was something that I then began to be ashamed of because again, like fake eyelashes and spray tanning and all and dyeing my hair, like all that stuff can be pretty easily reversible, but you know, having implants removed is like a thing. And obviously explant surgeries are definitely on the rise. There's black box warning labels on implants now. And, um, you know, what are they calling it? Like toxic toxicity. I I can't remember what the official name is, but there's a lot of women who are having health, health related issues from implants. And I, I honestly think that Um, I don't feel that they're really impacting me in that way. However, it feels important to me. It just feels like I don't need them. Like I don't, I, I love myself. I love my body. I, they'll, they'll come a time, um, after nursing and everything like that, that, um, that I won't need, I just won't need them anymore. And I won't, I, you know, it's like, okay, I'm done breastfeeding. Um, it's time time for me to get these puppies out. So there is also like the only thing that I ever like kept from Chad was that I just never told him again, like he never asked. Um, and it was something that I was really ashamed of when I did tell him like, and I only told him recently because of my concern with breastfeeding. So here's another thing, right? Like, so now I'm learning that which makes a lot of sense, right? You don't think about that when you're in your early 20s and you're just like, I just want to feel normal and look normal and feel proportional and blah, 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 and all the things, you know, that you think matter. And now I'm like, okay, so if you have breast implants, right, it's trauma to the body. There could be scar tissue and other things and it could impact your ability to breastfeed. It's different for everyone, but like that has been weighing on me so much And it felt important for me to tell Chad. And okay, so to the point where when I told Chad, he like didn't believe me. He was like, he didn't believe. He was like, you're fucking with me, right? I'm like, no, I'm not fucking with you. And of course he handled it so well. But um, I was like, that's the only thing I've ever kept from you. And, and And he was like, oh my gosh. And it's just... It's almost like I was, it it was one of those things where I just kept it from him for so long that it just, in my mind... I'm like, well, it's been this long now. Might as well keep it going. But then I was also like, it's been this long. So gosh, he's going to be so mad at me. And of course he wasn't. He wasn't mad at me at all. And he totally understood. And um, it feels like a weight lifted off of my shoulders, which is why I'm like, I just want to tell everyone else that this is my journey. This is part of my journey. This is part of me sharing my truth and working with, with my birth team and communicating to them my fears, um, my shame, around the experience. Um, and then of course, like it's that same piece of acknowledging my fears that it could impact my supply, my ability to breastfeed again, um, complications that can happen where I forget what they call it. Mastitis, I think where just your boobs are engorged, like 
There can be um, milk ducts that get clogged and it's really painful, you know, all these things. And um, so it's like acknowledging those fears, meeting those fears, but also just holding that like I would desire to breastfeed my child. And and if I meant to, that I meant to, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make that possible. But it also, gosh, I'm so emotional today. <sighs> it also feels important to share like, okay, it's like, okay, if, if I can speak my truth and um, like stop a young woman from doing this. And I do feel like I'm seeing generationally things are changing where people are deciding not to do that and, um, you know, to, to get implants. And again, like I'm not knocking it. Uh, again, it's like, why are, why are we making these decisions? And I think also just <sighs> medical professionals, I don't feel like we, there's no side effect <laughs> briefings, <laughs> in my opinion, not enough of them. And of course, um, this actually reminds me of when I got an, I got an IUD when I met Chad, I got a copper IUD. Oh my gosh. Do I even want to get into this story? I feel like I'm supposed to. Well, first of all, I got a copper IUD put in by a man. So I was seeing a nurse practitioner at the time, so she couldn't do it. And I was like, okay, I want a, I want a more natural version of natural version of birth control. So I went to get the IUD. This man, who I didn't know, um, like there was no communication. He basically opened my serve. I don't know what the hell he did, but he like did put something inside of me that felt like three prongs where he opened my cervix. Like he just opened it with some tool and then stuck the IUD in. And it was the most excruciating pain of my life. Um, and uh, I was pretty traumatized from the experience. And then I was having these. So, th so then I think it was like two weeks later, I go back and to do a checkup and he's like it's falling out so for mind you I was like having sex with my, with Chad and thinking that the thing was in and it wasn't and <laughs> we didn't get pregnant then but he was like yeah it's falling out and I'm like you've got to be shitting me I went through this pain and this fucking thing isn't even in he had to remove it um and then I was like, yep, yeah, never going back to that guy again. So then one of my friends was like, oh, I've got this amazing OBGYN and she's a labor and delivery doctor as well. And I was like, oh, that could be good, you know. And I did. I went to her and she was amazing. And she put the IUD in. And let me tell you, I did not feel a single thing, a single thing. And I told her my experience before and she talked me through it and she was communicative and I trusted her. And I'm like, Okay, how did I just have these completely two different experiences? So that was lovely. But then what started to happen is I was so bloated. My periods were atrocious. Um, I felt like it was, I can't even tell you, I, I, was, I was having some sort of reaction to the device. And to the point where Chad was like, get that thing out of you. I don't even remember how long I had it for. Maybe, maybe not even a month. So then as I was having all these symptoms, I started um, researching and I was not alone, like the body rejecting the IUD and the copper having some form of toxicity and all these things. Nobody tells you any of that shit. Like, wouldn't 
And of course, I didn't know to ask those questions. So I've learned over time, I have all these experiences of like, what are what are the side effects of this procedure? What are the side effects of these things? And guess what? It was that same thing, like this thing in my body, this foreign thing in my body that my body was basically like, nope, I don't want that. So anyways, that was my tangent um, on on not. Well, first of all, when you're young, all you want is the quick fix, like you're getting made fun of or you're feeling inferior, right? Like we're, when we're in our teens and twenties, like we're figuring it out where we want to fit in. We, our brains aren't even fully developed yet. We're just like, I don't care. Give it to me and give it to me now, you know? And we just aren't in the know to ask these types of questions and, and the people that we're putting our trust in aren't forthcoming about you know, side effects and what could go wrong and what could potentially develop in the future. And, you know, so, so anyways, that is really what I wanted to share is I'm like, okay, I, this podcast is about truth. And I feel that my soul is asking me to be even more transparent and to just be like, this was my journey. It had to happen this way for a reason here I am sharing it. Here's my fears. Although I would love for all of you to just send me amazing juju that I'm going to breastfeed my baby. And yes, there might be challenge and yes, there might be things that happen and there might be learnings and teachings from, you know, the decisions that I made when I was younger, but ultimately breastfeeding will be a success and it's going to happen um, because it just feels so important for me for bonding and, and for the baby and it's just I've always just seen myself breastfeeding. So to hear that I that if there's a potential that that may not happen for me because of a decision that I made obviously crushed me. So I think the reason why I'm so emotional is because it's like there's still a part of me that has shame. There's still a part of me that's embarrassed. There's still a part of me that's like, oh, my gosh, there's people who know me like really good friends of mine who listen to my podcast who are going to probably text me or call me. <laughs> and be like oh my gosh I didn't know this um but here we are like who cares who cares if this can support someone in like you know making different decisions in terms of what they decide to do in the name of quote-unquote beauty then that is enough for me and to just ask questions to the to the providers that we put our trust in right like we are our highest authority. And this is why I love my midwife. We had our first appointment last week and um, it was amazing. She spent two hours with me. Like what OBGYN do you know that spends two hours with you at all, let alone for your first appointment and just going through everything. And one of the pieces was like, you know, she was basically like the way that I work is clinically, I will tell you everything that is, is standard at each stage of your pregnancy. And then we talk about it, you ask questions, and then ultimately you decide what you want to do. Of course, she can encourage things. But if everything is normal, and everything is checking out and everything is, you know, like on track, she will leave it up to me. However, of course, she intervenes or if if there's like, for example, in labor, there's something that she's like, okay, we need to do this. I'm going to trust her, right? But 
ultimately she's putting things in my hands as long as all is going smoothly and par for the course. And I absolutely appreciate that, right? Like give me the foundation, give me the info, let me research, let me ask you questions, let me tune in, let me feel into why do I want to do this test? Why do I want to have this ultrasound? Why do I want to do this thing in labor? Why do I want to do make my, right? Why do I want to have my baby at home? Why do I want to have a birthing tub? Like right? all of these things are important, right? To just connect to, okay, once I have the foundation, what is it that I really want? What is it that I actually want? Is this a decision from society or is this coming from me? Um, and I believe that oh, just, I feel so safe with her knowing She's absolutely qualified. She knows exactly what to do in any given moment with any situation from a clinical standpoint, but absolutely from an experience level and intuitive level. And ultimately, like she's leaving the power in my hands, which is so important, right? Like I'm not looking to her to have all of the answers for me, right? I'm not looking to her in labor to tell me what to do. I'm tapping into that. I'm tuning into that. And she's there. If I need her, she's there to just watch me. She's there to be available in the event that dot, dot, dot. So is there anything else that I want to say about this? <sighs> yeah. As you can hear, I'm tender. I'm raw. I'm leaning into being more honest and in integrity and truthful. And um, it's not an easy thing. I thought this thing was going to be about like pop culture beauty, but I really want it to be about trust and truth. I don't know what I'll call it. But um, yeah, if you all can just send me some love, I'm feeling like I could use some support. And it's not easy to come clean. It's not easy to be honest. But it's like, I just, I'm just, I just want to be honest. I want to be honest with myself. I want to be honest with all of you. And I want to feel lighter because it's like, if I'm, if I'm the same, if everybody knows things like, right, like people don't have to know every little thing about me, but, um, if I'm not hiding myself, then I just feel like there's a lot of, so, so the reason why I've been wanting to do this is because it it feels like my energy could best be used somewhere else in terms of like the amount of energy that it takes up to hide something, to hide a part of yourself, to not share something and to overthink things in your head. For example, like me omitting and not telling Chad um, about my implants and then, and then like the, the mental chatter, like the looping of the mind of like, how is he going to handle this? Is he going to be mad at me? How is he going to respond? Like leading up to telling him the amount of energy that that took up to, right? instead of just like ripping the bandaid, I was like, oh, should I, when should I do it? When should I do it? Should I do it now? Should I do it? Wait, what is he going to say? What am I going to say? How am I going to word this? Right. The amount of energy that that takes up is, is insane. And I want to harness my energy for good for the things that actually matter, not some decision that I made when I was in my 20s. And now it's like, okay, it's on the podcast. It's public. Anyone at any time from anywhere in the world can listen to this and hear my story. So it just makes it a lot easier. (laughs) 
And I do, I do feel better. I do feel lighter, but again, I'm feeling tender. And I believe that this pregnancy journey, it really is like a metaphor for the ultimate journey of life because there's ups and downs and all arounds. And I'm not like beating myself up when I have a tender day or when I cry, when I just cry, it's like, I'm just emotional. Tomorrow's a new day, you know, just really honoring exactly where I am. So thank you for tuning in. I love you. And um, if you want to email me or reach out to me and tell me something that you haven't told anyone or something you've been keeping in, or if you can relate to making decisions because of getting made fun of or feeling like you wanted to belong or wanted to fit in or whatever it is, like right, the clothing choices that we made when we were younger, all of it, like where are we being, like who is influencing us? You know, if you just want to reach out and share the hilarious things you did when you were younger to make myself feel better (laughs) about the decisions I made, um, just know that it's in a confidential container and I will gladly listen and gladly hold space and gladly support in any way that I can. And thank you for tuning in. Much love. Thank you for your presence and tuning in today. I believe in the power of reciprocity. So if you found value from this episode, I invite you to share the love. There are endless ways to do so, including leaving a rating and written review on Apple, forwarding the episode link to a loved one, reaching out to me on social media to say hi at Lindsay Martin Ellis, or sending me a love note via email at lindsay at lindsaymartinellis.com. I so appreciate you and your support. It's truly what keeps me going. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Lindsay Martin Ellis Experience. Much love.